Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I'm Patch, one of your co-hosts, and with me, celebrating the world of long-form storytelling, is my friend and co-host, Adam. Hey, Patch. How's it going? Good. We are in the finale, sir. Season one, Ted Lasso. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm very excited, and as I always look for interesting credits before we proceed on this episode i want to note that this was written by joe kelly and jason sudeikis and has a teleplay by brendan hunt who plays beard that's his name i didn't know his name and i think it's amazing that it's just sharing the wealth when it comes to writing credits and all these types of things joe kelly tell me what he's famous for Mm, okay maybe not okay you said joe (laughs) kelly as if he's like okay is joe I just couldn't say that it was only written by Jason Sudeikis because it has a credit of Joe Kelly with an ampersand and Ah. Jason Sudeikis, which, as we discussed previously, means that they collaborated together on the story, but then handed it off to Mr. Brendan Hunt to write the teleplay or the dialogue. Gotcha. All these things that I just every week, every episode... I get more and more curious and you just satisfy my curiosity to make me ask more questions. <laughs> so at some point I'm either going to have my mind completely blown or I'm going to be completely ready to change my profession to writer slash director slash just sit in a writer's room and eat donuts, you know, whatever that <laughs> role is. Is there a kit man that, for, for like a, a movie set or a TV show set? Cause I could do that. Kind of a PA production a PA. assistant. Yeah, I can be in charge much. of craft services. I could do craft services. Yeah, that's good. That's a good job. <laughs> It's a good, it's a tasty job. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You can sneak donuts before ever, before anyone else gets them. <laughs> that would be so exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, this, I will just say this up front. This was a great finale. We've talked before about uh, great pilots that kind of get you into a series. And um, last episode, we talked about the penultimate episode feeling like a finale, but this one definitely f- feels like it's got, a way that it lands the plane in a lot of yeah. ways we'll get into that but i was so impressed with it this was um emotional watch for me as uh as you know and i know we we've watched this series a handful of times and um th- the finale just gets me i mean i both do and don't look forward to watching it because of everything that goes on and the fact that it finishes up a a great first season but uh but i left smiling and yeah. That's what you're supposed to do with Ted Lasso. Leave smiling. Yeah, I think we joked last time that as I watched it this time, I was kind of hoping it would turn out differently than yeah. it, even though I knew <laughs> what was going to happen. I was kind of like caught up in the moment and just really hoping that things played out just a little differently. Me but too. in the end, it's still it's a very satisfying ending, mm-hmm. regardless of the exact events that unfold and i think it really does wrap up the first season in a really great way Mm -hmm. and it leaves it very open for more stories to be told yeah which is which is what good limited television or television behind the paywall should do is it should 
allow the creative team to be able to tell their story and, uh, and give them that sort of tr- not truncated, but I would say that framework to tell their stories, yeah. whether it's one season, three seasons, five seasons. And that's one reason why we like celebrating these types of stories is that we know that they have really good, uh, solid start, middle and end start and finishes beginning, middle yeah. and end. However you want to word that. And uh, I feel like Ted Lasso is doing that with this. Yeah, I think these first 10 episodes of this, of this first season, the way it was, the way it's wrapped up is done so in such a way that it's almost like the first act of Ted Lasso's story. So right. there's clear, clearly a lot more that his character has to go through and AFC Richmond has to go through before their adventure, their story comes to a close. Right. Well, let's not uh, dilly-dally. I think I've used no, that word before. let's get into it. Let's get into <laughs> it. And as we get into it, we start in the boot room, as I think we called it. I don't know if it ever got a name. No, I, that's that's what I call it in quotes, the boot We room. do find out that it is the room where you have dirty boots and yeah. clean boots. Not sure if you clean them in that room, but that's at least where they start and finish. So yeah. we can put that mystery to bed (laughs) right and i guess it makes sense you know they're probably pretty smelly and that's probably not a bad idea to keep them in a room that has really good air you know ventilation and can uh, take the odor out of them yeah unless you're having an argument with your best mate and that's probably not the best place to have it yeah so that's where we find nate and he is looking around everything is clean and he runs into will the new clubhouse attendant. And of course he is absolutely frustrated. He's like, what is going on here? He thinks he's been fired, but he's actually been promoted. Psych. That's kind of what I put in my notes was psych. Well, (laughs) and I just have to add that Nate's reaction here was so extreme to the point that it was almost embarrassing how he spoke to to Rebecca and it, it shows a slightly darker side to Nate, even though we're kind of rooting for him, he definitely took this, the potential news of him being fired to a very extreme place. And I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I didn't notice that, uh, but I'm glad you pointed it out. I'll have to kind of roll the tape back and and watch him because um, I think that over the course of the season, watching him sort of grow a little bit, he has been more assertive, but there have been times, particularly in the episode where they play Everton that Mm -hmm. he is afraid to say anything. And of course that leads to his great uh, pregame roasting as we call it. Um, That's definitely something I, I need to go back and pay attention to because I was kind of just listening to the, the rhythm of the writing. And that to me kind of grabbed my attention more than anything was just watching Ted say, you know, calling Higgins and Higgins coming in and it's, it's great editing. It's, it's almost like a little dance that's going on here. So I didn't really pay attention much to Nate's expression, but I'll definitely go back and check that out. Yeah. He just, he snapped a little bit, which I think is understandable if you think you're getting that fire, but he Mm -hmm. clearly is sort of a person that's very quiet and reserved, but then something can trigger him and he can get really upset very, very quickly and and assert himself then and so we he started i mean thankfully they surprised him before he said anything too damaging to his career right uh there but yeah it it was really nice when they were all the team and everyone was just kind of 
packed into the the manager's <laughs> office that I can pull the blinds up and surprise, you know. It's just it like a, a little like a fishbowl right there. Yeah. They, hard to believe they got them all in there. I get, you know, it's clown car is what it is of, <laughs> of soccer players. But I love that everyone celebrates and then he gets the whistle, but he doesn't just get the whistle. He gets it, of course, in I think it's the suggestion box or it's a box. It, it that's what I was gonna ask you. Is that the the box that he decorated with his niece some is that his niece yeah i don't know if it's the same one but i think it's in that same vein of yeah that's how you deliver a a whistle to nate is in a a box that's decorated all colorfully like that and and we learn his full name or his last name is nathan shelley which i think is the first time i may be wrong but i think it's the first time that we hear his last name Yes, and his is not the only name that we get the full name of, and we'll find out more about that as the episode goes on. Oh, I know on. who you're thinking of. So it's not uh-huh. Beard, spoiler alert. No. <laughs> it's, much to my disappointment, it's definitely not Beard. <laughs> <laughs> and then that intro music plays, and we're still in the locker room, except now we're in uh, Ted's office, and Roy comes in and tells Ted that he has to pick a new captain. And they go through this whole, what I would consider this hilariously elementary uh, back and forth where Roy says, Ted, you need to pick a new captain. And he's like, you're the captain. You pick a new captain. And back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then finally, they're throwing the armband back and forth. And Ted just sort of flicks it onto Roy's head. Yeah. Nothing, nothing is said except Roy says, this is why it's hard to love you. <laughs> and then he walks <laughs> away with the armband still on his head. <laughs> yep. And Ted's and like, then, you heard it, right? He loves you. <laughs> it's so childish. Yeah. It's so elementary school. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And what were they talking about before this scene uh, started with Roy? They were like Beard and Ted were talking about jock itch or something. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> yes. I, I was like, what are they even talking about? Yeah. I think they mentioned something about that particular issue that they were trying to solve and they couldn't find a, the right product because the products are named differently. And they were trying to, I think like Mr. Mr. Body or Mr. Something was what Beard picked out, hoping that that would help solve his problem. But they, <laughs> yeah, it was clearly the tail end of a conversation that there's a few times in this series where they do that, where you kind of only get the end of a conversation. You're kind of laughing because it makes no sense what they're talking about, or it's just a ridiculous conversation. Well, and I think what makes it funny, Adam, is that you're coming in at the, because you're coming in at the tail end, you're just getting the, you're getting the, not really the punchline, but you're getting the absurdity of, wait, what were they talking about before I came in? This is just wackadoo. And yeah, just another great way that, that writing makes me happy is just being able to, (laughs) but then we move into the, the team meeting and I think it's in the press room. That's what I thought too. It looks like the press or briefing room, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, they're using it as a place to have a, a team meeting. Yeah. This is the second time that Nate blows the whistle inside the, the clubhouse or indoors, which <laughs> it's starting to yeah. become annoying to the team. <laughs> and um, then he pulls up this video on a television. I think it's a YouTube video of Jamie really just kind of giving his thoughts on what it was like to, to play for FC Richmond. And it essentially became an insult fest of him to the team, to Ted. I think at the beginning, one of the guys makes fun of his, his hair, which I thought was spot on because I don't know what's happening with that crazy part. I mean, his hair was great before he left Richmond. What are you doing, Man City? With yeah, that? he looks like 
he joked earlier on how he doesn't want to be like a banker. Remember that? And mm -hmm. now he looks more like a businessman with his he like does. sort of flat combed over hair. I'm not sure what that's all about either. Yeah, he was changing things up. <laughs> it's a bad business decision is what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> and as he's speaking, somebody throws something at the television and breaks it. Now, I want to say this. I looked closely. We were talking a little bit about product placement um, a couple of episodes ago. I tried to look really closely to see what the brand of that television was. I mean, I know Apple doesn't make TVs per se, but I wondered if they're going to break a television, is it a competitor like Sony? Is it going to be like Samsung? Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see if there was a, a brand name on there. Yeah, I didn't either. And the interesting thing is that Apple doesn't make displays, but they do buy them from LG and, and other companies, Samsung. So they clearly didn't want to let anyone, any the viewer know what brand it was because they probably didn't want to jeopardize any of their relationships with those, with those vendors that they use. Yeah. But uh, it's, it, it, I think it was Isaac who threw mm -hmm. his chair that he was sitting on. Okay. And, and uh, cause he's standing up at that point. So clear. I, what else did he have? But uh, uh, one of the, the press chairs, I believe that he just picks <laughs> up and I think that's what it was, but it wasn't super clear. And uh, there's also an interesting little moment here that, harkens back to those NBC promos that we've discussed early in the season where Sam says, coach, do they not have relegation in America? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, they play out the rest of the schedule, going through the motions and meaningless games, contested in lifeless, half-empty stadiums, and, and everyone pretty much fine with that. Does that sound about right, coach? Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this just goes back to how in those promos, Ted doesn't get relegation and still doesn't in this episode. He's just, <laughs> it's not clear to him. He knows it's a bad thing, but he just doesn't get it. And I, I think that's, that's a nice through line that they've been mm -hmm. able to kind of carry from early in the, in the season, as well as from those promos back in 2013. Yeah. There are two or three other moments that are pulled from those promos as well in this finale, which I thought were, yeah. were very fitting. So we move from the team meeting to the bar, and this is where we get the first instance of the title of the episode. May, the bartender, is really sort of speaking the mind of everybody in the bar. They are just completely, I won't say satisfied, but are accepting the fact that they're not going to beat Man City. And we find out later that Man City is a really good team, not just because they have Jamie, but because I think Ted refers to them as the champs. I don't know if they're like in first place not knowing as uh, as much about the Premier League as I would like to. I don't know if they just are on the leaderboard, if they've won 10 in a row. I'm not sure. But she really sums up the attitude of everybody in the bar by saying, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Ted's – I know he reacts to that phrase later, but I don't remember if his facial expressions or if he reacts to it in this moment when she is uh, when she says he it he just kind of sees that as a bad sign, I think. And that's when he says that they need to text Nate and get together and have a meeting because he sees that, okay, this is not good. If people don't have any hope that they can beat man city, then they've already lost in his mind, right? He, this is their only chance is to have hope and to believe as he constantly says in the show, to have the belief that it's anything's possible. Right? So he then, you know, gathers the all the coaches together basically him 
Beard and Nate, and they get together in in Ted's flat. And uh, in this scene, he he actually confronts Nate about the same issue, right? That Nate just thinks it's hopeless, that there's no way. Same same as uh, the bartender and the super fans in the bar and the pub. They all just think it's just it's not it's not possible. And I think that stems from the idea that if you don't get your hopes up, you don't get let down as much, right? So if you just assume, if you prepare for the worst, then losing doesn't hurt quite so much if, you, if you're if you expecting to lose. But if you think there's a chance and then you lose, it, it hurts so much more. But Ted being the person that he is, he has a believe sign, a mini miniature believe sign, I guess uh, above his or on his mirror in his bathroom to kind of remind him every day to believe and he runs in and gets that and shows that to Nate. And uh, yeah, it's just a, another example of Ted's personality trying to change all the, all the people around him. Yeah. It, it's definitely an extension of what he hears in the bar that what I would call pessimism to realism back and yeah. forth, back and forth. I would say that Nate is more of the pessimist, but that's partially because of historical experience Beard, I think, is more of a realist, and he really sums up his thoughts by saying, belief can't score goals. And and that's true. And to me, I really like what I'm seeing here because it's almost a an echo of what was struggled with in the previous episode, with particularly with Roy having to bench him, where Ted has to find the balance of caring about the team and caring about the team, where you have a guy that loves his players, wants to be a father figure, a coach. He wants to motivate. Beard is the one who wants to win. How do we find that balance? How do we find satisfaction in both? And this is really more of that. How do we hope, but stay realistic? Because if you hope without any kind of realism, it does kill you. Watching how they react. It was funny to watch the whole negative Nellie's bit was really, really funny. And the fact that Ted has like 20 of those little signs hanging around his, his flat, but you also see him really intense and he's frustrated. He not only wants his team to believe and wants these guys to believe, but I think he's frustrated at the fact that he's hearing so much of this being common. Like this, this can't be right. No, I'm not going to do this. And so he's almost going to will everyone to believe at some point. But I, but I think that really shows off that kind of tension that we get that kind of gets going through the uh, throughout the rest of the episode. And that pushes us over into Rebecca's office. And after I would imagine a hard night's sleep, Ted becomes a realist for a minute and he kind of yeah. offers himself on the altar of being fired. Yeah. And Rebecca's like, what are you talking about? I love her advice, Adam. She yeah. says, I mean, sure. You don't know what you're doing, but doesn't that mean that you see the game in a different way than any other football manager? And shouldn't that empower you to cause complete and utter confusion? Cause confusion. And that light bulb goes off in Ted's head. And he's like, confusion? I'm talking about chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, was really, he was really down on himself when he came in. And another example of, of Rebecca and Ted sort of helping one another, Rebecca kind of helps to lift Ted up again and believe in himself again with this bit of advice. I thought that was great. And he kind of runs out so happy that he like jumps and hits his head <laughs> into the top of the door to Rebecca's office. He's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. It's just, he, he went from like almost depressed 
and ready to quit to like, oh my gosh, we can do this. So yeah, Ted's Ted's all over the place. <laughs> he is. And I guess a good manager coach should be just very yeah. motivated, whether that's yeah. by chaos or, or not. Uh, he's definitely got something to go with. And I, I wish that he would have high-fived the tree, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Hitting his head, that was funny too. But man, high-fiving that tree. I, I wish he would have slapped the tree so hard that it knocked it down. That's how excited he got. But, <laughs> but I think there's something about, I think what happened when that light bulb went off is he realized, okay, yeah, we need hope, but we also need a strategy. And now he has both. He had the hope, but no strategy. Now he's he's got a plan. And that makes him believe that he can get everyone else to believe because he's actually got a way. It's not just, you know, hoping for hope's sake. He's, he's got a real, he's got a reason why people, why, why the team and why the fans should believe. And we're going to, I'm sure, get into that in a moment <laughs> mm -hmm. with the locker room yeah. and the introduction to all of the trick plays. I'm just going to list them all because they're all so great. And I want you to tell me what you think your favorite one is in terms of like the name. I know the we names, get a couple, okay. we get a couple of them on the pitch, but we have the, uh, the Sandman, we have pepper shakers. We have Beckham's Todger. Yeah. I hope that didn't give us an E. We have, oh, we have midnight poutine, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, the broken tap, Loki's toboggan, the upside down taxi, Hadrian's wall, dirty martini, and the lasso special. Any favorites stick out to you? In terms of the creative names, I mean they're all ridiculous. I I, first, <laughs> I, I like the lasso special because it clearly is an American inspired play, and I think they also call them uh, set pieces as well. Yeah. So so yeah, in soccer, a set piece is anything that starts from a, a stopped position. So if you have a corner kick or a penalty kick, those are considered set pieces. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. See, your your soccer coaching is paying off. It's it's little by little because as yeah. I learn a little bit more, I hope to <laughs> inspire others. <laughs> there you go. Offside, I'm still with Ted though. What does that mean? Even as a yeah, referee. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hope that doesn't get my credentials revoked, whatever. <laughs> also, I want to say great use of the position chips on the board, making a little happy face there. You think I Ted saw did that? that? Yeah. I you think, think Ted so. did that? Okay. Yeah. yeah I thought so too. Uh, it's it's a really fun scene. I love seeing the team get excited about it. I want to say it was the broken tap. Ted says, "All right, that's not a complaint. That's an actual play name." I think Man City will leak a lot of goals from it. Oh, oh nice! Just seeing the camaraderie of the team and yeah. how excited they got—that really was a, a change point for them to be able to get excited about something that wasn't just we'll try to hold our own. And also, they're bringing these these trick plays from all over the world, basically. That's what's almost the most genius about this strategy is that they're getting plays from Danny Rojas from, is he from Mexico? I believe, right? Uh, and from the players from Africa, like they're getting these plays from all different places. So it's that's going to create even more confusion, more chaos with this opposing team. And I think it just, it's the perfect way to throw off you know, uh, as Jamie says, play head games with Man City. I like it. And <laughs> I uh, I was excited to see which ones made their way onto the pitch yep, for, the, exactly. for the match. <laughs> well, and then we cut to Jamie, who's getting his hair cut. And <laughs> it's just such a bad. It's not even parted well. Like, if you look at it, 
and it's, seen, it's like not, it's not a nice clean line, like a nice perfect part, like you would expect from Jamie. Like everything would just be so perfect and washed, and it's it looks just, like fondant icing on his head. It's yeah, it like. it's just terrible. His hair looks sad. It does. It does. Maybe it's reflective of what's in his heart right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And there's this weird moment where this like fan is sitting right next to him. He's like, "Oh, you're Jamie Tart. Can I get an ussy? You know, a, a selfie of, for for us." And uh, and then he shows him. And this is where writing sometimes can just be very uh, sort of perfect in that things just happen. Shows him a video on his phone where Ted is talking, really talking up Jamie with the press, saying nice things about Jamie, which of course just makes, as I mentioned, makes Jamie think that Ted is playing mind games with him to kind of throw him off his game. And then he throws this poor guy's phone <laughs> across the room in the barbershop. <laughs> Did you notice that, that guy was the guy from the very first episode that got an ussy with Ted? That's the, right. I didn't even, I, not, as soon as you said that, I was like, you're right. I, I yeah. just put it together. Yeah, yeah. That, that was him. He's brilliant, brilliant. Can't yeah. believe it. Let me get an ussy with you. <laughs> I love his delivery of the lines and that accent just sells it for me. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. And he and he text yeah he texts Keeley and asks if he can come over and talk and yeah then we we see Jamie show up at Keeley's pad, <laughs> but Keeley doesn't answer the door. Roy no. does. <laughs> no. And Jamie's like, "What in the world?" And <laughs> then we are at the uh, I guess the dining room table, and they're just sort of giving each other the the stink eye. <laughs> Keeley comes downstairs. She has a cup of coffee in front of her. She goes, oh, what is this? And Roy goes, I made you coffee. And then she looks <laughs> next to it and there's a cup of coffee. She's like, what is this? He goes, bought you a coffee. Yeah. And so she just takes both of them and pours one into the other. It's like, I'm not picking sides here. Yeah, it was kind of a brilliant solution to a problem of whose coffee do I drink? And I, well, I'm going to mix them together. <laughs> but what if one was really full, Adam? I mean, well, hmm. If they were, if those were all both full, there'd be some overflow there. And then who'd be yeah. to blame? It'd be Keely. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, a really funny moment at this, this table scene where uh, Jamie's sort of worried about talking to Keely in front of Roy. So Roy kind of pretends to lock his mouth and throw the key at Jamie. And Jamie like dodges the key as if it's a real key. And, he's, <laughs> and, he's, and he says, missed. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that they just have such a great anima. There's this this tension and just humorous competitive nature between the two of them that I, I just I love. There really wasn't a lot in terms of dialogue here that progressed the story, but I think what was effective was seeing the tension that Jamie felt, knowing that Roy was with Keely. I think what this does, particularly with the blocking and what you you pointed out, where where Roy, you know, locks his lips and throws the invisible key and, and Jamie dodges it. It shows off the fact that Jamie's got some insecurities and Jamie's, he's not fighting to get Keely back, but he realizes that he needs something. And it was just, it, it really emphasized the fact that they were just very awkward with each other. So then we're in Ted's flat and this is later in the evening mm -hmm. and his, uh, his son asks when he sees him on the pitch, it doesn't look like he's coaching. And this is absolutely true. When you're on a field that big or a pitch, you really cannot coach your team because they're always out there. It's different with American football because 
you're signaling plays all the time. Players are coming on and off the field. That doesn't happen in soccer. And that's something that honestly, when I, when I watched this episode, I was coaching a U seven team at the time. And it kind of inspired me to say, you know what, on game day, I'm not going to yell at the kids. I'm not going to tell them where to go. I'm going to try to coach them as best I can. And then just let them have fun and encourage them if they can hear me, because the fact is their parents are yelling at them too. So that's really confusing. That's yeah. also what I'm doing with my U nine team this year is I'm just going to say, look, when you guys are out there, I'll get you to stay in position. I'll yell, Hey, stay in position, but I'm going to let you do your thing. Bro really can't do anything. He has to kind of let it all go. And he says, once the game gets going, I can't tell my fellows what to do. So it's kind of like being a dad. And by that time yeah. he goes, I don't really have you anymore. Do I? He goes, do you like my robot? Says, yeah, it's great, son. What a great dad. You know, he's not yeah. scolding this kid for not listening. He's like, look, he's eight, nine years old. I'm going to respect the fact that he drew a great robot. <laughs> yep, totally. No, it's, it's a fun little, it's a very short scene where they're this, uh, this FaceTime scene where they're just having a little conversation for a couple minutes. And that's the last we see of anybody until the big match, really until the sort of, the pregame of the big match. And I think the first people we see are Rebecca and Keely in the stands waiting. And this is where Keely admits that she, she doesn't really care about football, like who wins, who loses, except now because of Roy, really, because she sees Roy and, and really loves Roy and, and wants what's best for him. So for the first time, even though she was dating Jamie and clearly they cared for one another, she didn't, necessarily care if he won or lost when they were dating he just she was with him but it didn't matter with Roy there's something different she's she's she feels something deeper and she understands how important this game is to Roy and succeeding in it so yeah I just think it's a good little scene that helps further and define the relationship that Roy and Keeley have now yeah we also see that Higgins and his family are invited to the press box and yes, Rebecca doesn't realize how many kids he actually has. And it's kind of overwhelming, but uh, it's five. I didn't know. It, I always thought it was four, but we're introduced to a fifth eldest son named Lindsay. Who's a priest. So right. that's a, it's a very large family, very large family and all boys. And, yes. And we also find out that the stadium is called the dog track. That's what they have. They nicknamed yes. it, the dog track. Yeah because of the Richmond Hounds, as they are called. And then we move into the locker room where Roy is giving the um, the captain's armband to Isaac. I love his line. Never stop breaking TVs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's the intensity you need as a captain. Almost yeah. like handing off that intensity to, to Isaac. And I also wonder if that action that he did, throwing that chair or whatever it was at the TV, if that's what clinched it for Roy, like was Roy like on the fence? Yeah. Like, who am I going to give this to? Oh, that's, that's what we need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be, it could yeah. be, I, I, I'd like to believe it. Yeah. That's yeah. what happened. And this is also where we get the, it's the hope that kills you speech or rather the, do you believe in miracles? And as a fan of both the event and the movie, which we confirm in this episode, that's where that line came from. It came from both the movie yeah. and real life. I think it's a fantastic line. Do you believe in miracles? Because this is really what it all culminates to Adam. It started with that sign and we're coming back to it. For me personally, that speech was reinforced by 
the realization of the end credits last episode where Roy taps it. I'm like, okay, is this what's going to be the crux to to get us to this yeah. victory against Man City? To be blunt, it's a great locker room pregame speech. It is, yeah. And uh, I think it's one of one of Sadekis's best in terms of inspirational. It doesn't feel cliche. It feels very organic. And I think that had we not gotten the lot the the scene with the with the different uh, plays, the trick plays. I don't know that that speech would have carried over as much as it did with the boys. And so it was really satisfying to be in the locker room with Ted. I was kind of pumping my fist a little bit, man, like, man, I want to go out there. I would be terrible, but I would, (laughs) I would go out there and I was ready. I was ready for the match to start. And it's funny when, uh, when Isaac, you know, who's now the team captain says Richmond on 12, it's like the (laughs) slowest countdown. And he skips the number eight for some reason. He skips eight. (laughs) What? I don't know if that's a mistake or if that was intentional for some reason, but everyone's like looking at each other like, why are we counting down from 12? (laughs) Such a slow countdown. But then, you know, they all say Richmond and they all go out Mm -hmm. on the pitch. And uh, yeah, and that's when we get that line where Nate asks Beard, is that miracle thing from a movie or real life? And Beard just says both. Yes. Yes. Justify the movie. It's equally as inspiring. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Fun fact. If you have seen Miracle, you may have already noticed this, but Al Michaels, who does the, they invited him back for the color commentary to do that. And then during that scene, when we get the, do you believe in miracles? If you listen closely, you'll hear current Al Michaels from like 2018 who was doing the ADR, whatever it was, fades out and they bring in the original audio from 1980 Al Michaels because his voice is higher. You can, you can tell, but it's absolutely one of the best moments uh, of sound editing that I, or sound mixing. I, I never can get those two. I always get them mixed up, but both we'll call them both because they're great. Uh, just how that how that blends it's so good so i'm gonna yeah i didn't i didn't catch that so i'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to that part and see if i can can pick up on it yes that's really cool it's good stuff so yes we are on the pitch and ted's not the only one who mispronounces zoro zoro's name one of the uh, one of the announcers has trouble with it as well and this is where that uh one of those jokes from the 2014 shorts comes in the offside comes back for us. And then I love the fact that beard is explaining it to Ted in the form of condiments. Yes. I understand. And it's back and forth, back and forth. They're distracted. Why? Because they can, they can't control what's going on on the pitch. They're just kind of watching. So you might as well get your uh, education for yeah. offside and who better to get that from than beard talking via condiments. <laughs> yeah. And we also get a, a really nice moment right before they start playing where Ted yells off, Hey Jamie, good luck. And uh, Jamie of course still thinks he's playing mind games and this is also kind of trick, but it just, again, shows what a nice and genuine person Ted is that for him, he want he does wish Jamie good luck. He lit, he actually hopes he'll perform well because he wants what's best for every individual first. 
and after that sure winning yeah. as a team is it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> what what i like about that moment is jamie's giving this um look to roy who's on the sidelines just kind oh, of yeah. like, giving like that fake kiss or whatever and then the way the the camera shoots it ted just kind of comes in from off frame and goes good luck jamie <laughs> like yeah. i'm just interrupting your your uh your insult here and he goes and then mind games what yeah doing? exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh the the game starts and this is where we get the sandman what a yep. fantastic trick i loved watching this it's a great play and this i think they did a much better job with this final match mm-hmm. shooting the game i mean they put they made 15 minutes of the episode is the game is this match so i think this is the first time where as we've talked before they either don't show the matches or they show very little of them so there hasn't been and again this could be budgetary but they did clearly save some some time and money to give us the big match and to show us some of the the key plays that that help the team's uh score yeah or don't score because we end up nil at halftime and then we're back in the locker room and this is where I can't remember who it is. One of the guys says, Hey, what's the score in the crystal palace match? Because we find out it's Sam, yeah, Sam, that's Sam right. Asks. It's Sam. Yeah. Because we find out earlier in the episode that, that Richmond can avoid relegation by either winning or tying and crystal palace beating their opponent by six goals, which mm-hmm. is really unheard of. And so Sam, you're right. He asked and Ted said, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. I don't want to hear about any other game going on any other place. Okay? Look, we are not playing for a tie. Ain't nobody here going to kiss their sister. What is, I don't know that expression. I don't know what, uh, what that means exactly. But Wait, uh, you, Adam, or are you quoting the, the players? I, I don't either. I've never heard <laughs> so that. It's, it's, very much a, it's very much a Southern thing. I was just as sort of bewildered as the rest of the players were. And even Ted kind of acts like he shouldn't have said that. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> That's really inappropriate kind of. So yeah, again, I wasn't sure what the, the, the origins of that, of that saying were, but it makes sense though. He, he just, he goes on to say that he doesn't want to know anything about any, any other games going on anywhere, basically, because that's just going to get, get in their heads and mess with their strategy, right? And I think that makes perfect sense. You need to stay focused. You know, if you're a boxer, you don't want to be dealing with anything other than your opponent that you're boxing, right? You don't want to know right. who else is boxing somewhere else and how they're doing. Like that's just going to throw you off. So yeah. it makes it makes good sense. And I think this is when Roy gets to join the game, which I think is kind of cool because he he didn't start, as we learned that that's basically what happened the, with the whole penultimate episode was about was whether or not he would be part of the starting lineup but here he is joining the team on the pitch for the second half and uh and this is where there's a interesting moment because there's also this reoccurring shot of rebecca's ex-husband rupert and bex watching at home in like his man cave or (laughs) something and he makes some comment here like that roy as he as he's coming out and the camera you know pans across him that he's an octogenarian which that's what as if it's a negative thing but that's what rupert probably is rupert's the one that's probably 80 something years old right here he is like bad mouthing roy for mm-hmm. being 30 something you know <laughs> just yeah rupert's uh my least favorite character yeah i think that's the <laughs> dual consensus between the two of us 
Then we get back onto the pitch. Man City gets that penalty kick. And so they're up 1-0. And then they're about to score again. And this is where we have Roy's moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kind of put it in quotes, Roy's moment, where he is running as fast as he can. He catches up with Jamie. This is a great, uh, just from a technical standpoint, what a great like film shot right here of the slide tackle. Completely legal, by the way, as the announcers reinforce. You might think, well, that's that's not legal. No, he was going for the ball. Yeah. But in um, as a result of that, he ends up either tearing his knee or, or doing something to his knee. And then we get the sort of callback to when he tells Sam to stay down. Yeah. But this time, Sam tells him to stay down because of the chant what a moment adam this was fantastic the first time i saw this i got chilled i was like wow this many people chanting but (laughs) but we get we get a little backstory we get like yeah this is a chant that's been echoed for the last you know in stadiums for the last 10 years and it just shows his legacy you know watching him just get up slowly not just because he wants the applause because he's hurt and then clapping the announcer says Kent has been a fan favorite because he always left everything out on the pitch. And it's such a great contrast seeing him walk off and watch Jamie just kind of in disgust. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yes, as, as a fan of Roy and as this kind of anti hero or whoever that Jamie is, you, you know, you, you revel in that moment for a minute, but it was really beautiful because he didn't ask for that. He did exactly what he was trying to do which is win for the team yeah. and not for himself and as a result he gets injured and as the announcers say this might be the end of his career you know on the field at least and what a good way to go out you know yeah. with the with the fans cheering and clapping and chanting for you i mean he and and he made such a great play i mean that's the other thing even though he hurt himself he sort of sacrificed his knee, if you will, for the team and mm-hmm. it paid off. Yeah. Especially because it was against Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very fitting, very satisfying. And then we get back to the locker room and this is my favorite moment of the episode. Hands down. I cried watching this even after multiple viewings, uh, seeing the tears from Roy yeah. Keely comes in he wanting, he just refusing, refusing. I told you to go away, go away. And she doesn't stop. She mm-hmm. doesn't hesitate, but she doesn't, she doesn't run in. She just casually walks in, sits next to him. And then the scene ends in such a beautiful way. The camera pans out and you see him with his head on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, Roy Kent is a human being yeah. with, with a heart of gold and it's tender. And, you know, <laughs> he can, I think because we've seen Brett Goldstein's performance all throughout this season, how rough and rugged he can be and how the domino is slowly falling. We see in that moment, how important it was for him to play, not yeah. just because he, because he's good, not because he wanted to be the greatest, but because he loved it. He absolutely loved being on that pitch and knowing that he wasn't going to go back out there again it was sad, but at the same time, it was just beautifully shot. And I think that solidified his and his and Keeley's relationship on a, on a really deep level. I agree. And if you notice in that final wide shot of the locker room and you see the two of them sitting and he has his head on her shoulder, he does one final thing. He kind of slowly moves his hand, reaches over and puts it on her hand. 
holds her hand. And it's such, it's such a subtle thing, but it shows him opening up to her, you know, that he's like wow. thanking her, you know, mm. just with a touch, he's thanking her for being there That's and awesome. for supporting him so much is being said without any words. And I think that's what makes movies and TV shows so amazing is you can do that. You can, <laughs> that actors can perform without dialogue. And yeah. that's what this scene is doing. I have noticed that, that in this particular episode, there wasn't a lot of heavy dialogue. I mean, last episode, it was dialogue heavy things that we could definitely point out. This was a lot of acting, a lot of body language and facial expressions. And we weren't missing that throughout the season, but this is definitely one where we get more of that. And, um, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. So then we're back on the pitch and we find out that with all the cell phones going off, um, Nate's got this, I think kind of supernatural power saying, that's the sound of 26,000 people checking the mobiles. <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace won six nil. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden Ted's like, we just need a tie boys. We just need a tie. Come on, let's go. It's like, there is hope. Like, that's, what's great. It's like that in that moment, there is hope. And mm -hmm. Ted realizes that this is it. This is our chance. All we have to do is score one goal and we're, yeah. and we won't get relegated. And here's, what's really interesting. The team, not Ted decided to do the Ted Lasso special. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is what I think is probably one of the great moments of Ted's validation as a coach is when your team gets behind a play that you've created, that's not even for your sport and they exactly. see value in it. Yeah. Watching it play out. The announcer says, is Zorro yelling numbers and colors, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which really just sort of amplifies how ridiculous sports are in general. Like if you tried to explain baseball to someone who's never played before, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, when you, if you've never watched football, American football, and you hear somebody go blue 32, red 18, what are they, what, what are the bingo <laughs> numbers? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and exactly. then they, they run it and they get the goal. Yeah, they, they're clearly doing what they intend to do, which is to confuse Man City. There's a Hail Mary kick to Sam, I believe, who then passes it to Danny Rojas, <laughs> who then, who was wide open, and then he, he makes the goal in a very cool shot, a very cool slow-mo. What do they call that? Is that like a bicycle kick? Bicycle kick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah after, so, the, after the nice cross from, from yeah. Sam. And and what's also great is they're using the ex the the passing that Ted always talks about. You know, it's like don't go for the glory. You know, make the pass and make the extra pass. And, yep. So it works, and and this moment just it, it gave me chills. Just the way everyone was just in disbelief. You know, here's he's always talking about belief, but now they almost can't believe what's just transpired right yeah and without roy or jamie you know any of their star players that they had all season they they managed to to pull this off and yeah it's it's an amazing moment that doesn't last very long unfortunately no no that extra pass comes in handy in another way yeah and that the uh full time has not happened yet the uh beard notices that oh man city's on the attack we see Jamie dribbling, and then at the last second, he does what nobody expects him to do. He makes that extra pass. Soro gets the uh, goal by him, and just like that, man, uh, FC Richmond is now relegated. Yeah, and um, the shots are the shots are really nice. You see, just so many different reactions from 
the pub, from the field, from the fans. Something that was really interesting was when we cut to Rupert, mm -hmm. it looks like Bex is sneaking away from him. Now I could be yeah, reading that wrong, yeah. but it looked really strange. Like it wasn't like she was carrying snacks or something to another room. It looked like she was like, I don't want to be around him because I'm afraid of him being a, a super fan, or maybe she was just giving him space because it was that yeah. important to him, which I think is kind of what I settled on. But what did you think? Yeah. I kind of read it that way that she's like, uh, I don't, I don't want to be around him right now. Like he, he was just sitting there stunned like everyone. Right. And just unable to speak, just processing what happened. And clearly she just wanted to kind of remove herself from the situation, not be collateral damage, perhaps if he has a tantrum of sorts. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of ways to read it, but I think that's probably most likely just, she just decides to take herself out of the, uh, out of the room, let him cope and deal with this loss his own way. And because clearly Bex doesn't care <laughs> either way. She's just there for love and babies. That's what she's exactly. there for. <laughs> exactly. And he, uh, you know, we see Ted coming uh, into the locker room or coming into the clubhouse after the match. And he's looking at that text from Michelle that says, Henry said his robot is a great coach, just like his dad. We're proud of you, Ted. Did you notice what the name of his robot was called? I did not. Miracle Bot 3000. Oh, let's see. I paused it so I could write down the, the text that's... message and I was like, oh, it says Miracle Bot 3000. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I like it. And, yeah. And then as, as Ted's walking by, I guess he's by the, the visitor's locker room or, or the training room. I was really impressed with the way the shot played out. It was just good cinematography. Yeah. We see Jamie just sort of leaned over as if he's like tired or, or injured or sad. perhaps. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we see a boot just fly by his his face and we hear his what we find out is his dad just reprimanding him because he didn't take the shot and yeah. then we see him look up at ted oh man that wow that was a surprise to see that and we heard about his father during the uh the episode where they the decursing yeah. yeah the decursing of the of the room of the cursed room and so we know that he has a really difficult relationship with his father but we haven't yet seen his father and now clearly as big a star as Jamie is, he's still a little boy when it comes to his father. And it's really sad to see. And I think Ted feels for him in this scene, even though they just lost thanks to Jamie's good play. It's uh, it's still, again, Ted sees human beings first and foremost. Yeah. It's, it's sad. And the fact that he and Ted make eye contact, I think make it that much more impactful. Yeah, because Ted could have easily just kind of put his head down and walked away. I mean, honestly, I may have done that because that's not my it's fight. An, but yeah, it's an awkward. You, yeah, yeah, what you can you do? Especially when somebody's that angry, you you definitely don't want to insert yourself into that type of situation because sure. it can it can only escalate mm -hmm. uh, when somebody's really angry like that. So yeah. it's a unfortunate thing that he had to observe, but I think it it's important that Ted saw it and now understands Jamie a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it helps us understand him a little bit better. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So then we moved to the locker room where Ted's walking and a lot of great things are said here. He, he mentions, uh, he said, y'all may not have won, but y'all succeeded. Yeah. And I thought that was important to hear. He makes a comment. He said, he, he said, you know, Zero, where are you at? That dude had more saves than a Baptist preacher. <laughs> Give it up for Zero. 
I'm going to say he had a great night in goal because clearly he's the better keeper of the two that they've had. Uh, what's his yeah. face is probably torn his butt still. He can't, he can't, uh, he can't play. But uh, he mentions uh, Roy. Roy chased down his grandson. <laughs> Stopped him from getting an easy one. <laughs> Which I thought was a fantastic way to give him that nod to being called granddad half yeah. the season. And then he finishes the speech or his side of things by saying, And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Which is, I think, an overall theme of this season. This is kind of one of those things where if we look back, we go, oh, yeah. You got people that are fighting being alone, Rebecca, Ted, yep. Jamie. And I thought, what a great way to to sum up the season. And then he finishes off by saying, we can do this. And then it's time to be goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> As he said yeah. to Sam early on in the season, be a goldfish, for, you know, that's forget right. and move forward. Yeah. And he says, and nobody in this room is alone. And I, I think that's great because everyone that we've met almost, including Rebecca and Keely, they're all in that locker room together at that uh, during this scene that's his way of saying yeah we've built a family here we can be sad it's okay to be sad but as you said then when we're done being sad let's move on let's put this behind us and i think he says like onwards and to better things you know in in so many words he's like let's move on to better things and uh yeah it's it's almost as moving a speech as he gave before the game he really gave two great speeches in this episode. It's it's interesting that they brought the goldfish thing up again because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it certainly stood out for me early in the season that he that he brought that up. Well, and I think Ted has found balance in the way that he coaches. I think he mentioned to Rebecca in the last episode that you know he's changed and that he's grown a lot. The fact that he's able to say, "Be a goldfish," but only after we've gotten done being sad and mad yeah. like he leaves room to be to grieve which is really exactly. important mm-hmm. because if you can't grieve if you can't live in that loss for a while and be able to grieve those moments you can't grow from it so watching him talk to these guys and then be able to to say those things i think all the men in that locker room believed him so belief yeah. comes back they don't feel like he's just giving a pep talk, he really does believe what he's saying and they can trust that in him. So I think this is a very crucial moment as a team for them to say, all right, we're going to be relegated, but we're still going to be FC Richmond and yeah. that we're not going to get probably, broken up. I would argue they, they played better than they've ever played despite losing. And that's, that's why he says we still succeeded because that it's, it's incredible what they did achieve against arguably the best team that they have to play and also with with one of their best players Jamie on the other team now so I think there's a lot of things to to celebrate about their performance but like like he says you have to get you have to allow yourself to be sad first because if you don't then you bottle it up and then it comes back out later on in in ways that you don't want to deal with you know you don't want to have to have happen to you so you have to give yourself the time and uh, and then we see the Man City bus outside. All the players are boarding, and Jamie's about to get on. And Beard 
walks up to him, hands him an envelope, and he just kind of shrugs it off and gets on the bus, sits down. He opens up the envelope, and it's a note from Ted, and it says, way to make the extra pass, Ted. And he also included a, one of his little green army men in the envelope, which is something that his son sends to him in little care packages, Ted's son. So that, I think, goes a long way for Jamie realizing that, no, Ted wasn't playing mind games. Ted's Ted's the real deal. Ted is legitimate in what he says, and he cares about him. Something of Ted's coaching did rub off on Jamie. And whether Jamie realized it or not, he did what Ted would have told him to do. And it helped him win, helped right. his team win. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Jamie's face when he read the note and held the army man. He doesn't really smile, but he gives a little grin, almost like a yeah. satisfying, like, okay, I got that. I'm I'm good with that now. Yeah. Where that goes from here, we don't know because no. we're nearing the end of the episode and the season here. <laughs> so. Right. But the episode does end in Rebecca's office. Uh, this is where we find out that Higgins' first name is Leslie. He says, uh, That was my mother's name. I'm what's known as a feminine junior. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was clever. He's so funny. I, I just love his delivery of almost everything he says. <laughs> <laughs> I go sign that, man. Yeah. And he leaves, and uh, Rebecca brings Ted in. I think she has called him into her office. And he is bringing her his letter of resignation written on the back of a takeout menu. Yeah. <laughs> but he says it, it's, uh, it's signed and in an envelope. So that makes it official, apparently. So if I ever have to resign from my job, I'm going to go find a takeout menu and, there you go. and write it on that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully and, I'll just need I, to get a menu or an yeah. envelope. And I love that she offers him tea yet again, just like she did in the very first episode. Mm -hmm. And he just replies, No, tea and I are still on a lifelong hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh gosh and then they sit down and yeah. she basically gets blunt with him she said look i'm not going to fire you we we have a we have a job to do and this is where we find out adam that he's essentially talking about next season and it's very meta it is because, like next uh, season of the series or uh their um of their team it's it's, it's yeah. a little bit of both yeah and the way he the way he words it I, I remember reading that ted lasso has a has a finite arc it's three seasons i think is what sadekis wanted to wanted to have yeah. so we're sort of getting the the outline <laughs> where mm -hmm. season two they're fighting to get back to uh back to back to the premier league being promoted and then season three they'll win the whole well the, the only time that we've heard ted use the f-bomb they win yeah. the whole thing so I'm pretty sure that's kind of where we're getting to, but you know, of course the journey is just as important as the destination. So I'm excited about uh, season two and three as they, as they come yeah. out for sure. Yeah. And they toast, you know, to Ted's, you know, suggestion that they'll, they'll come back, fight their way back and, and win the whole thing. And they toast. And, and of course, Ted's drinking what he thinks is water and it's still water. It's still water. And it's not, it's fizzy water. Well, you know, and he just does not like that. Like in that first press conference, when he spits all over the uh, the cell phones and the tape recorders of the uh, press, he just does a spit take all over Rebecca and she is just covered. And he's just like, I'm sorry, did I get you? <laughs> and she's just <laughs> that, covered with water. That great, and just that great 
like Close shot up. of her face yeah. is so good. Yep, yep. And then it cuts so, to black. And that's yeah, that's the the ultimate shot of the episode and the season. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our episode, which is coincidentally the end of this episode of Ted Lasso, which is the end of the first season. So yes. it's a triple ending. Hopefully we landed it. <laughs> yes. Well, I know normally, Adam, I ask you what's coming up. We are finished with this season. And um, rather than go into season two, we are going to switch over to another series behind the paywall because we want to continue that celebration. Uh, what that is, you'll have to come back and find out, but it'll obviously be queued up in your podcast feed wherever you're listening. So you'll want to de- definitely check that out. Adam, this has been a blast. We're definitely coming back for season two, right? Uh, no question. I yeah. I want to I want to relive and revisit Ted Lasso whenever I can. So this is a this is a great show, a great character, many great characters in this series, and I can't wait to to revisit it when the time comes. And be sure to check us out on our next conversation celebrating long form storytelling. Until then, I'm Patch. He's Adam, and we are out of here.